0: The road we're on is paved in Garth.
1: Come along on the journey.
2: As we explore...
1: Garthology. Garthology.
3: think of it more as a conversation. I like that. So if this is truly a conversation, then I say let the conversation begin.
0: Hey guys, it's Deb. I'm Pete. And I'm Jess. Welcome to Episode 10 of Garthology. Thanks so much for listening. I can't believe we're on our 10th episode already. The time is really flying on this journey of ours, and hopefully you all are enjoying learning about Garth as much as we are enjoying learning about Garth, because we're having a great time. In today's episode, we will finish discussing the last five songs of Garth's Third studio album, 1991's "Rope in the Wind." If you haven't listened to episode nine yet, be sure and do that so that you can hear the first five songs from the album in that episode. In case you're wondering, "Rope in the Wind" got its name because the saying stuck in Garth's head when a coworker of Ty England's dad told him that Ty would have better luck "rope in the wind" than making a living in music. I guess he got that wrong, huh, guys?
1: Yeah, <laughs> no joke.
0: <laughs> so now let's go check in with Pete for song number six on Rope in the Wind.
1: Yes, song number six off of Rope in the Wind was Shameless.
3: Maybe that's what's left of me.
1: Don't have very
3: far, far You know now I'm not a man. Who's ever been insecure about the world I've been living in? I don't break easy, I have my pride, but if you need to be satisfied, I'm shameless.
1: Shameless was written by Billy Joel and released by Billy Joel in 1989 on his album Stormfront, where it peaked at number 40 on the Hot Adult Contemporary Tracks chart. Two years later, Garth covered the song, where it became his seventh number one hit on the Billboard country charts. The amazing Trisha Yearwood sings background in the song and says in the anthology that they were in the studio and Garth really wanted her to give more of an effort than just to sit there, open her mouth, and have the sound come out perfect. After multiple times of trying to record the song, she started to get a little pissed off at Garth. And Garth went to her and told her that, we know that you know how to sing the song. We just need a little more effort in it. So at that point, she said, the last time that they sung the song, she did it pissed, and Garth finally heard what he wanted to hear on the song. I
0: can just picture them talking and and him being (laughs) like, don't be so perfect. Like yeah. get, it
1: <laughs> get mad. Do it a little bit. put some effort into it this time.
0: <laughs> can we all just imagine for 1 second Garth telling Trisha, "Can you get into the song for a second yeah. like, just oh. do it a little
1: better, please?" <laughs> I mean, enough with being average, okay?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I always love to hear Garth talk about Shameless and how he uses the guitar to hide his gut. But it always seems at the end of the song Shameless He drops the guitar, and there it is. In all its glory, a gut that really doesn't exist, in my opinion. (laughs) Garth had always told Alan Reynolds that he would almost choke with the idea of singing about a four-letter word love song. And when Garth decided to record Shameless, Alan was surprised because the word love is in the song so much. With that, the song and the lyrics are really powerful meanings about a man that's so in love with a woman that no matter what it is, what it is that she wants or how he feels about what she wants, he's willing to do it to show her that his love means that much to him. And when you listen to the lyrics and doing research on it, that's exactly it. It just continuously repeats the man's willingness through the entire song to let his guard down, to become shameless and to do whatever it is that he needs to do to make The love that he has for her, the same love that she would have for him in return by him doing it. So the lyrics and the meaning behind a lot of them and how it all kind of revolves back to that, to me, was very, very powerful. So that's what I got from the song. It's a very, very fun song to listen to Garth sing and to watch him do it live where the music stops, all the instruments stop, and it's just him. And singing Shameless at the end where he's got the guitar in one hand and he always seems to bounce his hands up in the air when he finishes the last Shameless. I always remember it. So when I'm listening to it on the radio, it takes me back to watching Garth do it live. It's a lot of fun. Great song. What would you guys think about it?
2: I think that it is a great song. And every person, male or female, I feel like wants to be loved like that, like completely, shamelessly. And that's appealing. So of course, across the board, people loved it because it's so relatable, like a lot of his music is. And I think also Garth performed this song in a way that country audiences weren't accustomed to, like he performed it, he emoted, and that's something that they weren't used to seeing. And it really shook people at the time. And apparently, people were ready for it, because we see what what happened in the phenomenon that was Garth Brooks. And so I think this was a kind of an iconic song for that change and that thing that was different one of the many things that was different about him than, than maybe artists who had come before him. As an aside, talking about Trisha and Garth trying to get that response out of her, that, that note that he was looking for, it just made me think that this is one of the reasons why I love to see Trisha live because she tends to be more reserved on her albums. They're vocally perfect. They're spot on always. But when you see her live, she'll, she'll do that belt or that wail or change that lick and do something a little bit differently. And I always prefer her live versions over the studio cuts for that reason. So I love that this one time Garth was able to kind of go and get this vocal freedom out of her on a studio album because you don't ever hear that usually. So that was really special about this song, I thought, also. How about you?
0: Yeah, that's a really great point. For me, this song, and we've talked about this before because in our first episode where we talked about our favorite songs, this was one of my favorite songs. This will always be one of my favorite Garth Brooks songs. It was the song that I chose to dance with my husband at our wedding, which I mentioned before. And so it will always rank right up at the top for me in Garth Brooks songs. And for me, I love his albums. I love all of his recordings. But seeing him live is a whole other ballgame. Like everything about his live performance in most songs is, for me, the better experience. And for Shameless, I would rather see him sing this song live than almost any other song. I love what he does with this song live. When he gets that gravel in his voice and he just really gets down into it, especially like we talked about in the win video, the DVD, when he just throws that guitar off and he's just in it like that is it for me. That is what I will always go back to in my mind when I think about why is Garth Brooks my favorite live performer? It will be that moment. I just, ah, it's perfect. Yeah, I love that
2: too.
1: That's cool. Well, that'll uh, do it for that song, so we'll pass it over to Jess for song number seven.
2: Song number seven is Cold Shoulder.
3: Somewhere out of door. I wish I could hold her instead of hugging this old cold shoulder. I could hold her Instead of hugging This on cold shoulder
2: This song was written by Kent Blazy, Garth Brooks, and Kim Williams and it was the seventh track off of Rope in the Wind. It was not a single. Kent Blazy worked on songs like If Tomorrow Never Comes Ain't Going Down Till the Sun Comes Up it's Midnight Cinderella, She's Gonna Make It, Somewhere Other Than The Night, and Beer Run. He also worked with groups like Diamond Rio and Patty Loveless, Chris Young, and maybe most importantly, he heard something special in Garth and Trisha Once Upon a Time and introduced them. Kim Williams also wrote multiple songs, many of them with Kent Blasey and Garth, and among those were New Way to Fly, Papa Loved Mama, Ain't Going Down Till The Sun Comes Up, It's Midnight Cinderella, She's Gonna Make It, Tearing It Up and Burning It Down, and Beer Run. He also worked with artists like Randy Travis, Joe Diffie, and Reba McIntyre. And he was ASCAP's Country Songwriter of the Year in 1994, and he won a CMA for Song of the Year in 2003 for the song Three Wooden Crosses, which I don't know if you guys know that, but it's a great song. I really love that song. Amazing. He was in the Songwriters Hall of Fame in 2012. He was inducted. And then he actually passed away in 2016 at the age of 68. But Garth had mentioned in the anthology that he and Kent Blazy and Kim Williams were like the three amigos when they were writing and just like best of friends. So I'm sure that that was a huge loss for them in the country music writing world, but also just as friends. On this song specifically, Garth, Kent, and Kim were working on it and they actually stopped in the middle of writing Cold Shoulder. Because they went off on a tangent and wrote a completely different song. And then they came back and finished Colt Shoulder. So this is how these guys worked when they were together and just songwriting geniuses. The original idea for the song was Garth Brooks uh, was going home on Christmas Eve. And he saw a big rig on the shoulder with its triangles out. And he just thought about, you know, that sucks. That guy's sitting there on Christmas Eve. He means he's sleeping now. He's going to get started on Christmas Day. And that's how he's going to spend his holiday. And it just started his mind thinking about the song. And he, he thought about like what it would be, how interesting it would be to start the song out, painting this, this picture of a warm, nice Christmas, and then giving you the reality of where the person in the song really was and flipping it around. And so they passed it around and they came up with this amazing song. And uh, Garth says in the anthology of the last verse, that's music to drink to right there. And it really is. It's kind of a, a very sad, depressing thought whenever you you look at it that way. In the anthology also, Trisha says Garth's very careful about where he uses the choice harmonies in his songs. But then Garth says it's actually Alan Reynolds who has the taste and who, because he said the the licks and the great part that he would like, he would use in every chorus all the way through. And then it was Alan who's like, let's rein it in and just use it at the end of the song. And in that same that same vein, Trisha talks about just how harmonies can enhance a song, which we've talked about. And I agree with so much and especially their harmonies we've talked about enhance every song and anything that they do. But just she's talking about harmonies in general and how much that can lift a song and that you might not hear it until they're taken away. And if you listen to a song without those background vocals or without the harmonies, you would see the difference that it makes of just someone singing it straight. And and I can really see that because a lot of the time I think it really does set the tone for the song. But I really love this one. It, it's not probably my favorite song on the album, but I think only because I love this album as a whole and there's so many songs on it that I love it. It's hard to probably even get a top three in there because they're, I just love them all so much. Were you guys familiar with this song? I, I feel like I know Deb said you've listened to most every song on the album, but how about you, Pete? Do you know this one already?
1: You know, I I, I didn't know it as well as I know some of the other Garth, songs of course but it's one that'll pop up uh you know on the playlist because obviously with the amazon music i have all the different albums downloaded but i i had a hard time getting into the storytelling part of this song to kind of take me to that place where i understood the lyrics as well as maybe i understood some of the other ones but one thing that stood out uh, for me was when you had mentioned like the the big rig down on the side of the road again it to me just take so many different everyday things that we just pass by. You know, we see that all the time driving around, see traffic. Garth sees that and instantly, you know, it starts going into a storytelling type thing where, like you said, it starts out so warm on Christmas, but where that person is really at and, you know, you kind of sit back and you think when you're listening to things like that, like, you know, it's not always peaches and cream, I guess you could say, you know, there's always something else that's going on um and then as far as like the the harmonies go in the sound and the music i almost would never want to hear a song like that without those increased harmonies because again the song would just be so flat and boring if they really do bring that up to the next level and uh that's kind of my feelings on it but like i said i'm not i wasn't really too familiar with the song but uh, again uh You know, another real good, in my eyes, way to uh, a layered song, a storytelling layered song that could take it a couple different ways. Start you in one place, end up in another type. Yeah. How about you, Deb?
0: Yeah, for me, that's the lyrics are really, it's such a great turn of phrase because when you think of a cold shoulder, you know, you think of giving someone the cold shoulder, whereas that is not what this is about. This song is about the shoulder of a highway. That's what the whole song is about. I mean, you have that first verse, which is specifically about a relationship and being with someone, but the whole rest of the song is about being an 18 wheeler driver and you never see that coming. And that's one of the great things about Garth and about the songwriters that he works with is they take just a regular phrase and it can turn it into a story about something that you're you're thinking that you're listening to a love song but really what it is is it's this sad story about a man who's driving an 18 wheeler and he's kept from his family because this is what his job is you know I'm sure he's doing it to put food on the table but it keeps him away from those that he loves and so really it's a sad story it's not really a love story it's a sad song about you know a truck driver so for me, it's it's great that they can take something, just a phrase, cold shoulder, and they turn it into this whole other thing. So I agree. It's, I think, one of the lesser known songs on this album. But I think if you actually read into the lyrics of it, I think you really find a story buried in there that is quite touching. Yeah.
1: And, you know, something else real quick is uh, you talked about uh, Three Wooden Crosses, you know, and in the song and the lyrics to that, you know, three wooden crosses on the side of the highway. And you listen to that. It's kind of like the same thing. You know, there's a story behind everything. You know, uh, Randy Travis had sung that song. And afterwards, obviously, we all know, you know, he had that stroke. There's Mm -hmm. a thing on YouTube of Kane Brown, one of the new up and coming country music stars right now, where he was in the studio somewhere on a radio talk show. And he was singing that song, and they snuck Randy Travis in through the background. Going back to that, if you guys haven't seen it, you should check it out. It's pretty cool. Very, very uh, emotional.
2: Oh, yeah. I will have to check it out. All right. Well, we are going to take it over to Deb for song number eight.
0: And song number eight is We Bury the Hatchet.
3: We can't get along. We're always fighting about things. Should be dead and go home
0: Bury the Hatchet was written by Garth and Royal Wade Kims or Kimes, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, who was a cowboy from Arkansas. It was not released as a single. And according to the anthology part one, Garth didn't think a song about burying a hatchet could work when Wade first brought the idea to him. Which, really, if you think about it, I kind of agree. (laughs) But he said that while writing it, he was laughing so hard that his cheeks hurt. He saw this song as kind of filling the humor spot on the album. So like we've talked about in the past, you know, Garth is big on thinking of the album as a whole. And so he's mentioned before cowboy songs. He wants to have a cowboy song, so he finds a song that fills that spot. He wants to have a swing song, like a dance song, so he finds songs that fill that spot. And now we have him talking about a humor spot, So I thought that was cool. Again, I love that Garth thinks of an entire album. I've mentioned that on podcasts in the past. I love that he thinks about the album as a whole and that he's telling a story from song number one to song number 10. And he really fills in those spots. And he thinks about what's it going to be like live. And for him, this song, he knew it was going to be great live. And he's right. It's a great song live. Another thing I took from it was In a relationship, you definitely have to have humor. So if you have this couple who are fighting all the time, I mean, if you listen to the lyrics of this song, they're fighting constantly. They don't even remember why they're fighting anymore. And so I think he's right in believing that with relationships, you do have to have a bit of humor. You know, you have to think about things that you may experience with that person. Sometimes you just have to laugh at it. Because this is somebody who, if you're married, if you live together, you're with this person more time than you've spent probably with anyone else in your life. And so sometimes you can just get on each other's nerves. And so for me, I think that's what this song reminds me of is, you know, you just sometimes in a relationship, you experience things where you go, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're arguing about this one thing again. This happened 10 years ago, and yet here we are. So- I think of that, it always makes me laugh when I think when I hear this song. And I think that you definitely have to accept when you're in a relationship that you're going to hit some rough spots, but humor can often make those at least a little bit better. So what did you guys think?
1: Yeah, I kind of like that as well. Like you say, you know, in a relationship, it's basically about finding the humor in some situations, coming to a compromise, bury the hatchet, move on. It ain't worth dwelling over because it ain't going to, you know, it's not going to get anywhere just dwelling over. Bury the hatchet. Let's move on. So yeah, I love the song. It's a a great song. I really do enjoy it.
2: It's funny. It makes me think my mom always preached this lesson to us growing up. Like, I think she probably was mostly talking about between the siblings because we were very close together and she probably got tired of hearing us fight all the time. But in, in a relationship with family, with friends, just she always stressed the importance of you can't keep bringing things up from the past and that you have to let stuff go and move on and truly bury the hatchet all the way. So this song always makes me laugh because every time I listen to it, I was like, "Mm, buddy, you're messing up. You're just bringing up things you should (laughs) have let go. And so that's just always what comes to my mind as soon as I hear it is I'm like, oh, you're such a mess. Both of you just have to let this go. But it's entertaining, you know, and it does, I think, fill the humor spot on the album. It really, I mean, it's not comical, but it's definitely amusing and and it's upbeat. And so it's always fun to listen to. And, and I really like this one.
0: Yeah, I agree.
2: Okay, so now we are going to go over to Pete for
0: song number nine.
1: Song number nine is In Lonesome Dove.
3: And he saved the train. And she looked down and her heart was gone. The train went west, but she stayed on. In Lonesome Dove, a farmer's daughter with a gentle
1: hand. In Lonesome Dove was written by Cynthia Limbaugh and Garth Brooks. Lonesome Dove was not released as a single and it never made it to the Billboard charts. Again, another song that I have no idea how it was not a single or on the charts. This is one that I'm very, very excited about. In the little app that we use, I was doing the research on it, and I sent a message how excited I was to have this song. One of the main reasons why is because I talk a lot about Garth's songs in the music, the lyrics, taking me to a certain place, taking me to Alabama Clay, or taking me, you know, on the river, or wherever it is. And in the anthology part one, Garth talks about this song and the instruments and the music behind it being able to take you to that individual spot, to a certain spot with the instruments and and the way that the, the musicians in the band play it. He talks a lot about in the lyrics, like, the shots ring out down the Rio Grande, and there's a push with an instrument that you can hear the echoes like being in the caverns of the Rio Grande. I've never been there. I can imagine what it's like. But you know, you think about that. You know, you hear shots. If you're out in the, the forest or something like that, and gunshot goes off at echoes. Again, it's one of those songs that just takes you to that place, puts you puts me personally in that song. So the story about In Lonesome Dove is to me a really good storytelling song. Where A man, a Texas ranger, saves a woman, and they end up getting married, and they have a little boy. The boy grows up to follow in his father's footsteps as a legacy lawman and had caught wind that the men who allegedly had killed his father, they robbed a bank, and the only thing between them and Mexico was this town, Lonesome Dove. So as they made their way through it, There was a bunch of dust, apparently shots rang out, and after the dust settled, the men were laying at the feet of this boy that has grown into this man now, and although nobody knew who shot these guys, the story leads you to believe that it was the mom who had done so. Now, they've kind of got revenge on these guys who had come through and killed this Man's father years back. And it kind of comes full circle, in my opinion. So, what'd you guys think about it?
0: I just love this song. And I'm still shocked to this day that it wasn't a single. I just don't understand that. Like we've questioned before what makes, you know, what is the deciding factor of releasing something as a single? This should be a single. I'm asking Garth right now put this song back on another album and release this as a single. It is just, it's a beautiful story. The music is wonderful. I just cry every time. Like I know the entire story from beginning to end, but it is beautiful. And I think that it needs to be out there. I think that more people need to hear this song. (laughs) so That's how I feel about it. I think it got robbed. That
2: bank got robbed, and so did this song. I agree. It should have been a single. I love this song so much. We could have just done a whole episode about this song, and I could have talked about it like three quarters of the time. Um, I've told you guys before, we've talked about this song. I've said how much I loved it. And to me, of all the songs, this is the one that should have been made into a movie you know, we talked about Unanswered Prayers became a Lifetime movie. And I'm like, 100% this this song could have been a movie. You know, there is the miniseries Lonesome Dove, but this does not follow that storyline at all. Um, the storylines aren't related. But I I just, it's such a great story song. I would argue that this is the best story song. This is Garth's best story song. 100% my opinion. Right. And we talked about that, that we're going to do a story song. Podcast. Yeah, and this will 100% be on it, and we'll talk about it again. So you'll get to hear about it again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Just
0: prepare yourselves out there because we will talk about this song again.
2: Yes. And, you know, but it's like you said, as many times as I've heard it, the end still gets me. I still get goosebumps whenever that final line comes around. I love there's a line in it that says, back to back with the Rio Grande, a Christian woman in the devil's land. And it makes me think about how true that was for how many women at that time because people were making that move west. And at the time, everyone was, you know, the traditional religion at the time was Christianity. And so it, it was so different for them to go to these rough places with these, you know, minors or cowboys and lawlessness and kind of no real religion, but also just no rules. And so a lot of the places where they didn't have a traditional sheriff or you know with deputies in a police force they had these texas rangers that went out to these small towns and where there wasn't anything else and it was just a ruthlessness around them and so it is a song just for entertainment and it's just a story but i can't help but listen to it and think of for how many people that actually was some shade of the truth you know at least parts of it and i i love that i love that time and it's interesting to me to think about it in that way and i will play this song every day all day long and never get tired of it i agree (laughs)
1: So that will do it for that song, and we will pass it over to Jess for song number 10.
2: Song number 10 is The River. What's
1: behind you and never knowing
3: what's in store Makes each day a constant battle Just to stay between the shores And I will sail my vessel Till the river runs dry like a bird upon the wind these waters are my sky i'll never reach my destination if i never try so we will sail my vessel till the river runs dry
2: this song was written by garth brooks and victoria shaw and it was the 10th song off of Rope in the Wind. It was also not a single. Um, Victoria Shaw wrote The River, She's Every Woman, A Friend to Me, Baby Let's Lay Down and Dance. And she also wrote Where Your Road Leads, which was the duet with Trisha Yearwood. She worked with Doug Stone, John Michael Montgomery, and Eric Church. And she's also released several studio albums of her own. And the way this song came to be is that she used to hang out at the Opryland Hotel during country radio seminar week. And she knew Bob Doyle and Pam Lewis somehow, and they had mentioned to her that she should write with this new guy, Garth. And so she went up and introduced herself and told Garth that. And he said, yes, ma'am, I'd like that very much. And she told him, don't call me ma'am and we'll get along fine. And when they started writing this song, The River, he said he could see people holding up their lighters listening to the song, which is so funny because To have that foresight into what it was going to be, because that's exactly what it is at a live show, was so interesting to me. But basically, in the anthology, he says, you know, she was kind of like, whatever, like she she was like, you don't even have a record deal right now, and just thought he was kind of a dreamer. I mean, she didn't say that, but she just kind of thought, okay, that's great that you see that. And she didn't really see it yet. And actually, Bob didn't like the song at first, because he didn't like that it had the word vessel in it. And that made Garth question it. And so it actually took three years to make it onto an album because it made him nervous about putting it out there. And also Victoria tried to talk him out of using the word vessel. But now she says vessel is her favorite word and it's sending her kids to college. So <laughs> so it was kind of funny to me that Garth fought for the word and, you know, he was right. So they were just both two dreamers, you know, not having a lot of success yet when they wrote this song. And so that makes perfect sense when you look at what the song's about. And it's about chasing your dream and putting everything out there and just going where the water takes you. And that's where they both were in their careers at that time. And then so they recorded this song and it kind of sat there. And then Alan Reynolds, every album kept pushing for it. He he wanted it on the first one, wanted it on the second one. And finally, by the time the third one came around, he was still pushing for it. And Garth's brother, Jerry, was also like, hey, when are you going to record this song? And so it finally made itself onto an album, thankfully, because it's a great song. And Trisha sang on this one. And she says in the anthology book that nobody knew what an anthem it was going to become, which obviously nobody knew. But I mean, I feel like Garth maybe had a little inkling of that it was something special just by being able to visualize people responding to it in the way that he did. But I would say overall, the songs about persistence and taking risks and There are lines that kind of are examples of that. And one of those is where it says, I'll sail my vessel till the river runs dry. I mean, that's a long time. That's a lot of perseverance right there. You're just going to keep going until you can't go anymore. And then as far as taking risks, where it says, choose to chance the rapids and dare to dance the tide, I think they're just, it is about those things, but in an encouraging way. Like it makes you want to take those risks and do what you need to do to follow your dream. And in that way, I think it's relatable because. Everyone, big or small, has some kind of dream. And so I like the music in it. But in this one specifically, I think I really actually like the message even more. What do you guys think of this?
0: Yeah, I love the message of this song. And I'm surprised to learn about their concern about the word vessel. I I can't imagine this song without the word vessel in it because to me, you know, they're using vessel as like a metaphor for somebody's life. Mm -hmm. And I think it's absolutely perfect for the message that it's trying to get across, which is that all of our dreams, you know, everybody starts out with different dreams. Some people are lucky enough that, you know, they come up with the dream for their life when they're very young and they stick with it and they make it to that point. Like I'm sure, you know, once Garth hit the river and decided on music, I say, great for him. You know, he picked his dream, he stuck with it. But I think for most people, Dreams are like a river because they change. You know, you're going along one way and something throws you to a different course, and that can change the entire course of your life, just like a river as you're moving along in it. So I think that vessel metaphor is perfect, and I think it fits so beautifully in the message of this song. For me, this song is like a poem. Mm -hmm. I see it very much that way. And I see it as being a person's entire life. You know, you're taking these twists and turns and you're taking it, making the best of each situation that we all come across because none of us know what's going to happen tomorrow. And so we get pounded along and yeah, the shore looks great. And it's not demanding and it's easier. But if you stick with your dreams and you stay in that river and you hit those hard patches of water and you make it through, like you said, it's all about perseverance. So I love the message of this song. It will always be about the message. I agree. The music is great, but it will always be about the message for me.
1: Yeah, it's kind of funny that we're talking about this tonight on this episode. The early time in my life, we talk about dreams. I really didn't know what I was going to do, didn't know where I was going to end up. And then I was lucky enough to land with the company that I'm at right now and been there for 21 years. And going back to what I was saying, we're reviewing it now right now and and the message to the song. In about two weeks, there's going to be a very big shift in my river for me professionally. And it's all positive. It's very, very positive and it's actually left in in my vessel for me to determine and decide where that dream is going to take me. I know where I want my dream to go with this company, and I am fortunate enough to be able to get to that point of this dream and really set further and bigger dreams for myself and my family later on. And while I was listening to this album, knowing that we were going to review it, I can't tell you how many times when this song came on, it took me to exactly where I am right now, you know, in the, in the river, in the vessel that I'm in and where I get to see it go. It does have a very, very strong message. And I don't know that it's ever been more important to me than it is right now because of what's going to happen in a couple of weeks. And I'm very, very, very excited to be able to, uh, you know, get to that point in my dream. I love the song. I love the message behind it. It's really, really a close personal song to me right now. So uh, it's funny that we were reviewing it. I love it. Love it to death.
0: That's great. Okay. Well, that wraps up the last five songs of Garth Brooks's third studio album, Rope in the Wind. Now for, for a special announcement. Anyone who shares a post of ours on Instagram, shares a post of ours on Facebook, retweets one of our tweets, or leaves us a review on Apple, will be entered for a drawing. That drawing will take place on New Year's Eve, December 31st, and we will announce the winner of a special prize in our first podcast of the new year. So be sure and visit one of our social media accounts and share us with your friends and get entered for this very special drawing. And let's go over to Pete now for shout-outs.
1: Yeah, shout-outs and... Talking about the giveaway, we want to give a shout out to at Tragic and at Break Bread 101, who retweeted our giveaway on Twitter. And now both of those Twitter accounts have been entered into the giveaway. Deb, you want to tell them more about the website?
0: Yes, be sure and visit our website at Garthology.com and leave a comment or go to our special page and submit show ideas if you have some Garth topics that you'd like to see us cover. Don't forget on your podcast platform of choice to hit subscribe, download our podcast, rate and review where possible, and be sure and share us with your friends in low places.
1: Speaking of friends in low places, if you guys haven't had a chance to get over and check out our social media pages, that would be wonderful if you could. If you're looking for us, you can find us on facebook.com backslash GarthologyCast. And if you're on Instagram and Twitter, you can find us at GarthologyCast there. And when you are there, if you could take the time to share or like, uh, maybe comment on a post, that would be great. We are really, really enjoying this journey. And I think on behalf of Deb and myself and Jess, we are closing in on 1,000 podcast downloads, and obviously that wouldn't be possible without you guys, so we just wanted to say thank you. Jess, what do we got coming up on the next episode?
2: Next time, we're going to be decking the halls with Garth and Trisha as we take an in-depth look at Christmas together. So grab some hot cocoa, snuggle up by the fire, and enjoy some holiday cheer with us. Until then, this has been episode 10 of
0: Garthology, and I'm Deb. I'm Pete. And I'm Jess, and we'll see you guys
2: next time. Bye, bye,
1: bye, everybody. Finish it! Finish it! Hey, why can't we be as good as Jess? I know
0: it's ridiculous. so good.
1: Well, we're gonna need you to step up and give it a little bit more effort instead of opening your mouth and sounding perfect. Okay. You're going to need to do the intro and the
2: outro. <laughs> <though>. <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling attacked.
1: Put a little more effort in it, Jess.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You're the Trisha to our
0: Garth.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just stop being so damn perfect, will you?